G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Life, Culture and Current Events from a Biblical Perspective, 2020 on Vision. And I know the conversation ahead of us over this next hour you may want to contribute to. Is it relevant for every single one of us? I think it is. And for those who are parents, you might have picked up on some news that has emerged this week, announcing that students at Victorian public schools will no longer be able to use their mobile phones during school hours from next year. Well, Victoria is the first state to announce an outright ban on students using mobiles with concerns for student well-being, trying to address cyberbullying and reduce classroom distraction. Now, schools across Australia are coming under mounting pressure to ban mobile phones in the classroom with the Federal Health Minister Dan Tehan preparing to raise the issue at today's COAG Education Council meeting. The figures about cyberbullying are disturbing, where reportedly half of all young people have experienced cyberbullying. But is the move a good one, or is a ban like that an overreaction? What about the other issues that affect not just students, but all of us? where excessive digital experiences in the form of gaming, pornography and social media are described like cocaine through the eyes. Well, a conversation today about digital technology, its addictive potential and how we and our families might all detox. Brad Huddleston is back in Australia. He is an internationally respected speaker, consultant and author on technology and culture. His books include The Dark Side of Technology and another one called Digital Cocaine, A Journey Toward Eye Balance. And there's lots of other resources we'll talk about that you can get a hold of with Brad Huddleston. But Brad Huddleston, always a great pleasure to have you back in Australia. And so a special welcome back to 2020. Yeah, thank you, Neil. It's an honor to be here. Appreciate it. Brad, let's talk right to the heart of what is happening in Australia right now. Uh, People are all of a sudden seeing this as a very important uh, uh, issue. Let's talk about some of the symptoms that happen when people are addicted to digital technology because this is the heart of it. Uh, Do we need these sorts of things that some will see as an intrusion, others will see it as a breakthrough? Uh, What sort of symptoms are attached to this sort of addiction when it takes a hold of our children? And let's not exclude ourselves. You mentioned cocaine through the eyes. Now, I've had some pushback, not too much, but from other media sources where they want to advertise my book cover, parent meetings, they, the book cover is offensive and so forth. But the problem is that's exactly what it is. The reason I named the book that had nothing to do with a metaphor. It had everything to do with brain scans. And so when you look at the brain scans of people who have become addicted to technology and you look at the brain scans of people who have become addicted to two drugs, particularly cocaine and also heroin. And when you compare those drugs, the brain damage is nearly identical. 
So it has its root in science. It has nothing to do with shock value or trying to hype a subject. So when you're giving cocaine to children all over a nation in the form of a mobile phone, they cannot handle it. And an adult can't handle cocaine for that matter. So what we're talking about is physiologically in the brain, there's a place called the nucleus accumbens. And when we stimulate that area, it's the pleasure center. It gets on overload and it gets addicted. And that's in its simplest form. So you have a situation now all over the world where they've schools have had bring your own devices, for example. Uh, they have implemented one-to-one laptop and tablet programs. The motive of these places are good. I want to make that very clear. No one set out to give addiction to children. I, I'm defensive for that because I have a computer science degree as well. And I am, you know, I didn't set out to do these things to my brain. But the fact of the matter is that I did symptoms. When you take it away from a child, it's pretty simple. You see anger and aggression tantrums, and that is a sign that there's a dopaminergic barrier that has been built in the brain of addiction, clear addiction. And so the cognitive abilities break down the moment you get addicted to anything, particularly drugs. And so you're you're not able to learn because the only thing you can focus on is that thing that you are addicted to. So the schools are, are grappling with that. And it's not just the mobile phones, the Sydney Morning Herald has the headline here, Major Distraction School Dumps iPads and Returns to Paper and Textbooks. This has been happening here in Australia and around the world for a good while as well. So this hyper-stimulation of our brain, which we feel very good about because there's this euphoria that we have mm-hmm. when we're using our mobile device. Uh, device. We're, on a, we're on our iPad. We're on uh, some sort of... Uh, well. Is it just computers? It's the television set? It's uh, all sorts of ways that we might be exposed to all of this. Mm-hmm. Uh, is this something that is affecting every single one of us, Brad? And, uh, you know, when we talk about, I mean, most of us, you know, we'll be sitting in front of a computer at our workplace. Mm-hmm. Uh, this hyper-stimulation, and clearly there comes a point where there's a crunch time, and that is, in fact, an overload, and then we start to... Do we start to shut down in some way? You do. Uh, yeah. Okay. Take us into the shutdown. The, the, when we talk the consequences, uh, we might be enjoying these opportunities. We might be enjoying this digital environment that we're all immersed in. Uh, what are the big, big, big downsides? The shutdown is called anhedonia. And what happens when the brain gets too much dopamine? And that's what's causing the euphoria. It's a, it's a neurotransmitter called dopamine. In layman's terms, it's the happy chemical going into the pleasure center, making you enjoy And it also stimulates for motivation. Uh, At small levels, it's very good for you. It is what motivates us to to give us mission and vision, to come in vision radio in the morning and to do a radio show to help the nation, right? But when you get on overload, it turns from cognitive abilities and the desire to learn, the desire to help other people, to the craving of the drug. So when the drug gets in higher proportions, the the brain fights back and it builds a barrier. What it's called in, in drug circles... Uh, in drug rehabilitation circles is building up tolerance to the drug. Therefore, you have to do more of the drug just to achieve the same level of mania or high. So that tolerance is the shutting down. And so if you go for a period of time where you're not stimulated, you have anxiety. Your cortisol levels will go through the roof, which is a stress hormone. But the, the wall just keeps getting bigger and bigger the more addicted we get, and it becomes more and more difficult to stimulate you at the levels where you feel it. That numbness, it's, it, that's what anhedonia is. The root word of that is hedon, the 
ongoing pursuit of pleasure, it starts to shut down the brain. So ironically, the more you stimulate, the more it shuts down, but then the more stimulation you have to have to keep feeling it. And you get in this vicious, vicious cycle of addiction. And in you know simple terms, the head stays down all the time on a screen. More lines of coke, more alcohol. But with us, it's the next level to the video game. And you have severe anxiety if you don't maintain a certain level or you're not getting to that next level. Same thing with education videos. The brain is not making an exception because it's education content. You'll find out with a lot of the games, the gamification that's called an education where you get a reward, it turns out that they're seeking the reward and they're not learning anymore. So at first you'll see cognitive increase, but it doesn't take very long that it becomes about the game. So this word addiction is very, very significant because we might think we're not addicted, Mm -hmm. but the way you're describing that, there's an awful lot more of us who are addicted to this technology than we might assume. So you've done all sorts of research in this, Brad. You've researched even our school students in various parts of Australia. Mm -hmm. Uh, There's real research that you've been able to reflect on, a real primary research, uh, which talks about how we are all becoming addicted to these devices. Take us into a little bit of an insight into what's happening with children, uh, students in schools, because this is where you've done some primary research. The research that I was privileged to do, I'm, I'm able to come to Australia every year by God's grace, we consider it our second home, and we always end up in Mackay with Sergeant Nigel Dalton, who runs the crime prevention unit up there, and he, under his watch comes the cyber issues. And so that's where they bring me in to do what I do with the technology, and they do the law side of things, the litigation side of things, or explaining to the children the consequences if you sext, for example. You could be charged with pornography, all of that. So I just want to give you a little bit of – I crunched some numbers a couple of weeks ago from extensive surveys that we did in front of about 2,500 uh, students and then their parents. So just to give you an example, we asked seven questions, and we wanted to rate on the order of their most fear, their biggest fear. And ironically, and, and rather than go through the whole thing and then break it down, I'm just going to give you the final results. The biggest fear was that their bike, skateboard, or scooter would be stolen. That was the biggest fear. Mm-hmm. Secondly, is that the car would be stolen. And thirdly, the Internet issue didn't come up until the third one, that their child would be bullied over the Internet. Now, what that tells us very clearly is that they don't think it will happen to their child. And clearly, they're banning mobile phones because it's happening at such a huge, huge rate. So we have this problem in the prefrontal cortex of the brain. If I were to describe it neurologically, that's where you understand the consequences of your behavior. Once addiction takes place in that part of the brain, or the hyperstimulation, as you called it, that leads to dysregulation. Essentially, you don't think straight. You don't believe that it's going to affect you. And so there's denial, that's called. And so you find out that they're more worried about the bike, skateboard, or scooter being stolen than talking to a stranger online. And that is a problem. And we have so many cases around the country, around the world. It's not just Australia. I mean, this is the World Wide Web. The police are just overwhelmed, and it's because the, they don't think that it's been minimized amongst the parents who really hold the ultimate control over these mobile phones. They just don't think it applies to their child. Well, Brad, this is not entirely a bad news story, what we're unpacking today. Right. 
because what I would like to move into is this idea of what is an effective response Mm -hmm. that we can all have with our own ideas of digital addiction and as parents what we might have as solutions when we recognize that our children are throwing tantrums and they're angry and they're at a place where they're overloaded with all of this digital technology It's not entirely a bad news story because there is some way to break the addiction. It is. Take us into what we ought to know about that. God willing, the next time I come around, I'll have a book called Digital Rehab, subtitled Digital Detox and Beyond. So it's all about detoxing and then putting the maintenance structure in place to stay detoxed. The good news is no one has ever come to me and said, oh, I'm so addicted to Excel. <laughs> I'm so addicted to words. Oh yeah. <laughs> so the definition of limit has to change. The top three words that scare me are balance, limit, and neutral. Whenever you apply those three words to drug addiction, you're in trouble. I mean, you would never say to a cocaine addict, "Why don't you just save it to Saturday?" You know, why don't you limit it? You don't tell a heroin addict, Let, let's discuss balanced use of heroin. But that's exactly what we do to video game addiction, social media addiction. So the definition of limit has to be those things that are actually productive in our lives, like streaming this show around the world and limiting it to things that will get them a job and staying away from the things that will kill the brain cells. It's just that simple. So the definition of limit must change. So uh, as one famous theologian said, if we don't think correctly – We will not live correctly. So we have to start to think about this as drug addiction with a difference, with a caveat. This phone that I'm sitting right here does holding. It does have the potential to be used for good, but we have to use it within the the limits of the brain, which are not nearly as much as we're currently using it. And then we have to sift out those things that tend to generate more dopamine than others, such as video games, excessive social media. Then we have to break it down by age. And the younger you are, the more they just cannot take it. The tech executives in Silicon Valley, up until the age of about 12 or 14, they're sending their kids to analog, non-digital schools, and they don't have very much, if any, technology in their homes because they love their children, not yours, theirs. And so that's a telltale sign. Uh, but, but the good news is, as you correctly said, those kids have had their brain power saved They're not addicted. They end up going back into the tech industry when they can handle it, and they get the best jobs and run the thing. And so, yes, if you just save the brain power and teach a new definition of limit, we can use this very powerfully, but we're just currently not doing that. A biblical perspective on life, culture, and current events. This is 2020 on Vision Christian Radio. Brad Huddleston back in Australia in the studio with me today and our talkback line open on 1-800-316-316. What are your concerns about digital addiction? And you might have a question or two about what it means to have a digital detox. Just before we move on, though, Brad, you're not coming with this sort of information in order to condemn people, uh, parents, families, people who are absorbed in their digital device. This is not about condemnation. This is about insights into the real concerns that people have about this uh, whole idea of digital addiction. Neil, Neil, we have a situation where we, we have unintended consequences. 
if a parent had done this to their children on purpose, we'd be talking about something totally different. If the one-to-one laptop and tablet schools would have set out to get the kids addicted, that would be one thing. But what we're seeing here are unintended consequences. There's absolutely no condemnation. And I would say to the believers here, there's no condemnation to those of us who are in Christ and and I would extend that to our secular friends, too, because, again, it's it's what you're doing on purpose. Nobody's done this on purpose. Now, I will say there are companies such as Dopamine Labs that the tech companies use to fuel dopamine to get people hooked. And and on their side of the fence, it's quite different. There's a moral, ethical dilemma there. And I'm, this is not an Internet rumor, by the way. These are just things I write about. Uh, but on our side of the fence, from the end user's point of view, absolutely no condemnation. Nobody set out. It seems like a great idea. Some of the things that we're doing, like streaming, these are good ideas. It's just that you, we've mixed in all this addictive stuff, and now it's hard to separate it out. Okay, parents concerned about what might be happening in your own family or in the families of people who are in your local church, in your community. 1-800-316-316 to join in our conversation. Of course, you might also like to offer a comment about what might be happening in your state. If you're in Victoria, Victoria, the first state, to announce an outright ban on students using mobiles. This will start next year, but uh, here's, uh, you might call, as uh, even the Premier there said, uh, the most progressive government in Australia. So along this sort of socialist foundation in a Victorian government, they're taking action. Does that say anything significant that there is a state that is leading the way and wanting to actually protect children? Listen, we often compare Victoria to to our California. So you have the progressive states that tend to lead the way on things that Christians would find very offensive, very concerning. When the left, when the when the far left starts to get really scared about something, you should pay attention because normally they're for everything that tends to be bad for us. And so when you when you see a group like that in Victoria saying, hey, we better put the brakes on this. It is time, trust me, to pay attention. <laughs> Definitely. And in Australia, of course, and I mentioned in the introduction before that the federal health minister, Dan Tian, is preparing to raise this issue today at the COAG Education Council meeting. And so as the federal minister, he'll be encouraging the state's uh, to take some action. And there are a number of uh, states around Australia who are following in that same vein as the uh, the government in Victoria. And uh, no doubt this is something that will probably catch a hold given that there's this level of profile. So we'd be arguing here, Brad, this is a good thing. It is a good thing. In New York City, they banned phones, mobile phones in schools as well. But the outcry from the parents was so great that they reversed it. France has also banned mobile phones in their schools. So far, that's held. So what I would say to the parents, ease up, because it, it was parental pressure in New York City. And if there's a place that you wouldn't think would cave, it would be New York City. But they did, because that's one of our left-leaning you know, progressive states, very progressive. So what I would say to parents, the number one thing they say is, what about an emergency? I have to be able to get in touch with my child. And I'll say, look, a flip phone will do just fine. That phone call audibly, in terms of brain science, that audible phone call is not going to hurt your child at all. You've gotten in touch with them for the emergency. It's the smart part of the phone is why all these legislators are deeply, deeply concerned. Okay. Some people say this is a step back in time, but uh, perhaps a necessary adjustment, a realignment with what is going to be protective of our children's brains. That's, this, is the, this is the issue here. 
Well, Neil, I, I understand from a, a modernity point of view why people would think that, but it's now been tested. Cognitive abilities have been tested. iBooks and, and Kindles have been tested versus their counterparts on paper. And I jokingly say to my audiences, do you remember paper? Well, the test scores are always higher in the analog world, the non-digital world, and that's not only with the iBooks, but it's also with note-taking. So extensive tests have been done. And then amongst students, they have given in a number of studies, they've given the students the option of the ebook versus the paper book, and the students want the paper version of the book. And there are contextual issues. I mean, when you read the research, when it comes out, the, the results of this research, it's, it's very clear. It's not a step back in time. It's just that we have implemented all of this technology without any testing, without any cognitive testing, without any addiction testing. It was a grand experiment gone horribly wrong. It seemed like a great idea at the time. I bought into it. I have a computer science degree. I fully bought into it. That's why I don't judge anyone. But the, the minister in me keeps the nerd in me honest, and that is we have a problem, and now I'm trying to backtrack and write some books and offer some solutions to people. That's why I have another book coming out about this very topic. Now, Brad, no doubt tech companies won't take this lightly. Uh, when governments are starting to talk about banning digital devices in school, I imagine that big companies that make mobile phones and tablets and all sorts of digital devices, they will be wanting to argue that it's all good and mm -hmm. your child will be smarter if they use this through the day. Uh, what sort of anticipation ought we have about the sort of pushback that tech companies might have? In America, what you look out for is the, the, the money coming in from Silicon Valley to lobbyists in Washington, D.C., Paying them off, buying them off. Now, I can't speak to that about Australia, you know, but I would say in, in America, I'm looking out for the lobbyist money because they're the ones that keep the porn issue under wraps as well. And then the other thing I would say about anywhere in the world with all of this, um, the pushback is going to be with research. So my advice as a researcher myself, do not, absolutely do not look at the research put out by Silicon Valley. Always, always use third-party research where these folks have no dog in the fight. In other words, it's totally unbiased research. So I think what you're going to find, the pushback is going to come with some very, very persuasive academic journals and abstracts sponsored by, you guessed it, the tech companies. And so be very careful before you take that research and use it and print it, publish it. Always make sure it's third-party. I imagine, though, that the advertising marketing campaigns of these big tech companies, if they are aware that governments are about to make some even legislation that protects children, uh, that the campaigns are going to be on the increase. I mean, they're pretty slick campaigns that we see for the, you know, the latest version of this phone or that phone and uh, just uh, feels so good, looks so nice. You know, it's got a gold uh, backing on it or whatever it might be. But these things, these advertising campaigns, they're almost like an addictive mm -hmm. trigger mm -hmm. uh, to say, come and buy the latest device and it'll keep you connected with their particular industry. I think, Neil, what you're going to see, the tech industry at the end of the day not going to be worried at all. If you really want my honest opinion, I could be wrong and I will gladly eat crow. I hope I am wrong. But what is what we find in all of this research, what I'm holding here in my hand that we crunch from the research that we did up in Mackay and that whole region, you'll find that 80 to 85 percent of the problem with this addiction does not happen with the schools who are banning mobile phones. That mobile phone came from the home. It is the bedroom with the door shut with parents who say, 
my child would never do anything naughty. So when you look at the stats, for example, it was 89% of the students said that they had Internet-connected devices in their bedroom. Only 32% of the parents admitted to it. So we would take photos from the back of their little hands raised, and then I would show the picture at night saying, well, let's see how your children answered that. And then sheepishly, the rest of the parents' hands go up. So the tech industry knows the addiction. They've already got the home. That's where the bulk of their money is coming from, not the bulk of their money. They just know that that the addiction is happening in the home. Yes, the school is a huge marketplace for them. And so they will attack it, but they also know that a big part of this, the gaming and and the social media, all of that takes place at home. It's already entrenched. Uh, Only about 90 seconds out from news. Let's take a call. Natasha from WA. Hello, Natasha. Welcome along. Hi, Neil. How are you going? Really well. What are your thoughts, Natasha? I just um, I just had a question, if that's okay. Sure, yep. My question is, at the school where my daughter attends, they use technology, um, you know, they have computer classes, and at those classes they do things like reading eggs and mathematics and that sort of thing. And sometimes when she gets home from school, she's really worked up and overtired and, you know, she's had enough. Is this something that is, you know that we should be talking to the schools about or not allowing them to do at home? What are your thoughts on that? Very quick response. It is absolutely a problem. They're coming home wired and tired. There's no question what what the technology is doing. And, yes, you should definitely have conversations with the school. Brad, let's uh, touch on a couple of really important things that are happening right now. And uh, one of those is, of course, there is a new app that is out Mm -hmm. that is particularly aggressively addictive, aggressively, you might then argue, given what we've been talking about this past half hour, aggressively dangerous. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's called TikTok. That's right. Uh, give us some impression about what that's all about. We did some research uh, when I was doing my tour with Sergeant Nigel Dalton up in Mackay. We did a three-week tour. We did extensive surveys, and we're always, you know, it's a challenge to keep track of what the kids are into. So what we found, shockingly, is that we weren't surprised that TikTok which used to be called Musical.ly, uh, was, we weren't surprised it was being heavily used, but when we crunched the numbers, it had soared past Instagram. Now, that's a, that's a big deal because Instagram for a long time has held the top spot in what the kids are, and they still are there and Snapchat. So they're still massive users, but TikTok has just edged right above it in less than a year, at least according to our research. Now, the problem with TikTok, it, it's not unlike a lot of the other social media platforms that the kids go to. It's it's rife with pornography. It's rife with funny videos that aren't pornographic. But it's the social media platform that they are able to post. They're able to have conversations privately and encrypted. And then, of course, it becomes a haven for pedophiles. But the other issue here is that it comes out of China. And, of course, most people don't read the little fine print when you click the terms of service and you click OK. If you read that one... You have just opened up your phone book, and everything in it has gone back to China. And then you have opened up – I'm speculating from this point on. What I have just said is all true. My speculation is, if you know anything about the Huawei thing that's happening in my country where we've banned it and all that sort of thing, the fear – now, this is a fear – is that, of course, they're going to spy on us. But we do know from the terms of service, it says plainly, we now own your address book. So every time you add people in there and you add personal information of your friends, it all goes back to China. That is a fact. 
That is very scary, and listeners might have a contribution, a question, a comment about that level of intrusion into our private lives that's coming through the digital technology so easily available. You might have your own thoughts on TikTok. There's also, Brad, another set of games. Mm -hmm. Uh, We know that gaming platforms, very addictive, and uh, we've had conversations before about uh, the addictive nature of a lot of digital games. Uh, There's a few more that have come out, and they're particularly dangerous as well. These three have been around for a while, but one in particular has, in our research, edged into the second spot. So the top one is Fortnite. No, No shock there. And thirdly would be Minecraft. Now, when I say that all of these are running about equal, you, you find that the kids are using all of these. But the, the the one in the middle that we found is Roblox. And now that's just a platform. And the problem with Roblox is that it's endorsed by a lot of people as a creative place where you can create your own games. That's how they get them in. It looks like it's a big education place. But, of course, all of the social media is there and the kids are using it like crazy and nefarious things go on. So I would say what you look out for there, don't be blinded by the fact that they call it creative or it's a place where your child can learn. All of those things are true. Now, whether or not cognitively they're learning, I would debate that. But don't be fooled. They're still going in there for social media things, hiding things and playing way too much Uh, spending way too much time online that's causing the emotional problems, all the breakdowns, the cognitive breakdowns and things like that. So Roblox is something that's been on the radar for for quite a while, but it's just become very prominent now. I don't want to lose sight of the main purpose of a conversation like this today, and that is not to actually make people and parents fearful and anxious about this technology, but I suspect, Brad, what is so important here is how parents take control over the technology. And you might recognize that some of this digital technology has not got our control over it, but it's become controlling over us. So this idea of taking back control over your own life, taking control back over the lives in your children, in your family, where you can see uh, that some of the things that we've been talking about are really intrusive and addictive and are changing the way that our children behave. Uh, Let's come back to how we might address taking control back. First thing you have to do if you want to be well, you have to detox. Um, On the Gold Coast, I did a tour a couple of weeks ago, and I was at King's Christian College. I was at a number of places, but King's Christian College has me fairly often. Very large school. They have a pimp on a campus getting ready to open a third room. But they, um, it seemed to me they timed it right before a holiday, school holiday, because they kept saying, now that Brad has been here, now we want you to do a detox. And we want the parents to do it, the teachers, the students. And so what what you have to do, all of these things that I'll briefly mention are the maintenance things. You, you can't get the, the cart before the horse. You have to go into a full detox, and that would include television. Now, the good news is at this point, the brain will reset. That is the absolute good news. And the brain resets, and then you get everything out of the bedroom. You need to do this at the beginning, too. All technology out of the bedroom, everybody in the house. No screens before bed for three hours because of that hyperstimulation. That's fight or flight chemicals is what that is. And it takes about three hours all up for it to leave the brain. Uh, Teenagers need nine and a quarter hours of sleep. 
Now, they have four to six hours of sleep approximately if they have Internet-connected devices in their bedroom, so you have to get it out. Now, in those in primary school, they need anywhere from nine and a half to nine and three quarters a night sleep. And if you are an adult, about eight to eight and a half. No screens before work or school. For the same reason, your attention span, there's a name that Dr. Nicholas Cardaris uses called post, a term, post-stimulation attentional drift. After the stimulation, your attention just goes haywire. So kids come to school, you know, they've been riding in the car perhaps with the parents or on the bus, and they're all on their phones. When they get there, they get all these chemicals, and what that's doing is creating a digitally induced form of, let's call it ADHD. And so for three hours, the teacher cannot get their attention or they have to wake them up because they haven't been sleeping. And so no screens at all before school. And the only way you're going to help a child to resist that temptation is to not have it in the bedroom uh, at all. And so the other things that we would say when you're studying, the first thing they do is listen to music. That is creating tremendous problems. And so study in silence or with a fan. And and what they're doing is they're, they'll study two minutes on maths. Now, they're, they're, I'm quoting research to you. Two minutes on maths, they'll jump on their mobile to social media and spend anywhere from about 20 minutes to an hour. That's what they tell us. And then they'll jump back and do about two more minutes of maths. But they will say, I'm studying, but these study sessions are enormous. And then they say, well, the school's giving me too much work. And then I say, let me watch how you study, and I guarantee you, you are spending 98% of your time on social media, video games, etc., and very little on actual studying. So the, the, the parent must get involved. You see, I, I really meant it earlier. I don't think anybody's going to, uh, outside of the odd accountant, I don't think you're going to find too many kids asking for prayer because they're addicted to Excel no. or Word. The things that will actually benefit them and get them a job, they'll get in, they'll get out. It's all of these other things that we're talking about is the reason why they're banning these phones, things that lead to cyberbullying, which leads to post-traumatic stress disorder, cutting, self-harm. That's what everybody's alarmed about. But I promise you, Excel is not causing that problem, (laughs) and PowerPoint's not causing that problem. It's all of the entertainment media coming in through our devices. Brad, if you are going through a detox, and let's come back to the idea of drug addiction. Mm -hmm. Sometimes people will talk about this idea of going cold turkey. Mm -hmm. And all of the stress that would grip the body, Mm -hmm. physically I'm talking about here, Mm -hmm. what would you expect if you say, okay, well, as of next Monday, we're going to be doing a detox What's going to happen in the family environment? What's going to happen in the school environment if you all of a sudden, as you say, take all of that technology out of the bedrooms, put it all away under lock and key for, and I know we talk about this sort of time of six weeks, Mm -hmm. but what happens in those initial days when you've got a family who's taking this seriously saying, I'm going to have a digital detox? Withdrawals. And you're talking about from coke and heroin. So it hurts, but they don't die. That's the good news. It hurts. So you distract, 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 substitute, substitute, substitute. The best thing you can do is go bush. And you you swim, you hike, you you play tennis. It it doesn't really matter. Just get outside and do a lot of other stuff and distract yourself. And in about two weeks, you're over the worst of it. And then your brain can actually enjoy lesser stimulating things like, get this, reading a book playing tennis, things that the kids would normally say, I'm bored, I'm bored, I'm bored. Suddenly they're saying, Dad, can we play tennis? Now that's a beautiful thing. And then you still need to keep going, as you correctly said. But withdraw, here's what you look for. 
anger. And many kids, not all, but many will lash out, punch holes in the wall. The, I have photographs of all of this. This is what we deal with. They are angry. And we, we have parents now coming to us saying they're choking me. They're kicking me. They're slapping me whenever I take the game away. Now, that's what you look for. And they're going to not every kid will do this, but you uh, an alarming amount of children will, will be on that spectrum where they're that violent. And then you'll have the whole spectrum where not every kid will do that. They're just going to be very cranky. They're not going to like it. They're going to whinge. They're going to be unmanageable, just totally unmanageable. So you're going to have to distract them, lock them in a room, not abuse them. I'm not saying that, but you're going to have to be on, on board with this. But after about two weeks, the worst of it is over. Interestingly, the timing of our conversation today, and uh, I'm not exactly sure how all of the holidays align around the states, all around Australia, but there are some states that are starting a school holidays today. It's like breaking up day, uh, middle of the year, two weeks off in state schools and some in uh, different private schools, uh, three-week holiday this Mm -hmm. time of year. So they're about to start. So the timing, and we didn't set it up to have this particular uh, timing today. It's but a God moment, Neil. It could be a God moment. And uh, some people will be thinking of doing what you're saying, go bush, uh, mm-hmm. camping. I imagine there's some things you can do which would make it a little bit easier. So if you are going camping to go uh, bushwalking, hiking, mm-hmm. uh, to do other experiences other than have your mobile device always at hand, that might be an easier time to start some sort of a detox like this. That's right. And take lots of board games card games, things that are stimulating but with much less dopamine, let your brain calm down and get used to dopamine at the normal levels. And then after about two weeks, you'll be you'll enjoy that and crave that. For my own testimony, if you will, I was horribly anhedonic. I have a computer science degree. I was just totally out of it. Well, I've detoxed and now I, I what I do is I read a couple hours, well, an hour at least before bed. Or it might be 20 minutes. It just depends on where I am and where I've flown and how tired I am. But that does not stimulate my brain at all. And if I have a 20-minute session of reading, the book will hit my face and off I go to sleep. But some nights, you know, so these things, when I was addicted, I quit reading. Not because I don't like it. It's because it wasn't stimulating enough. It bored me. But I grew up reading. But it came back. And that's the good thing. So take books with you. Take board games with you and because not everybody can go bush. And so you don't – the best thing to do, though, is to be outside. I mean, it, that's – when you look at the detox centers, uh, they – and there are about 400 of them in South Korea. Sports is a huge thing. Music lessons. People who play acoustic musical instruments tend to have very healthy brains. And a lot of parents will discover that if they get them off the games, that there's gifts – there are gifts resident in that child that they never knew they had. And you never know, they may make a living and actually take care of you when you get older. You never know. (laughs) (laughs) There's got to be some sort of incentive in there. Uh, Let me ask you about detox, because we talk about a Mm six-week time. Uh, Some people will be thinking, well, you know, when I do a diet, uh, I might go on a diet for six weeks, and then I'm back into all the other stuff I was eating. Mm -hmm. Uh, You're saying that the two weeks at the start of a detox would be the most significant, the hardest time. Right. But once you get past that two weeks, things get easier. Right. Is there some sort of evaluation that you ought to be doing as you get past the worst of the detox so that you don't just get back to your old habits after your planned six weeks detox time? The diet analogy is perfect. 
I was overweight horribly, very bad blood work. And I tried the dieting thing, and then you go back and you get big again. Here's what you have to come down to. It has to be lifestyle. So for me, with my after you know, I got my digital life sorted out, I have no notifications on my phone. On never. I never hear it ring. I never hear it go off. I have no notifications from social media. Now, I have some social media. I have text messages coming in from all over the world and messages, but I never hear them. And as a result of that, I stay in a very, very calm, peaceful state 24-7. Now, I have stress in my life, but it's not coming from the phone or technology. So my lifestyle had to change. Nothing in the bedroom. And Beth and I sit in there and read. And then we go to sleep and we, we go to, we go to bed early now and we're in the gym. I was in the gym this morning and I'm, I'm traveling. I came in from Longreach after a, a long tour of at Barcaldon, Aramac and Longreach. I still made it a priority to go to bed early and to get up early and go to the gym. No screens until I finished all the important stuff. And I had devotions this morning. I'm not trying to act like a saint, Neil. I'm just trying to say this is what has had to transpire in my life so that I'm clear headed when I write these books that I'm living it so that I'm not being hypocritical. But it is very, very doable when you use the proper definition of limit. I use technology all the time, but it's I will rebroadcast this on my website, what you and I are doing. Great use because we can reach out to the whole world. I will do it. And and inevitably, somebody will see me on my phone and have a go at me. But I'm not... A, and, and, you know, I'm not against technology. I didn't throw my phone out, but the way I use it and the lifestyle had to completely change. And, Brad, I suspect there'll be some who will hear this conversation today. It'll go in one ear and out the other because they're addicted. <laughs> uh, they're addicted. But there's something in the addiction which is connected to our identity mm-hmm. and we're identified with the networks that we're a part of socially. Right. And uh, people who are saying, well, you know, I can't give up my devices mm-hmm. because that's where my life is. My life is connected yeah. in mm-hmm. the device. But is that in some sense, and we're running short of time, is that some sense uh, just affirming that, you are controlled by the device. Oh, absolutely. But I will also say there's a legitimate point to be made with that. All of my booking takes place on the Internet now. But what I've done is limit it to that. And I have limited when Beth and I watch a movie. We do. It's 20 minutes. It gets shut off. We read for the rest of the evening. The next night, 20 more minutes. We shut it off. We read. So we make a series out of it, but we only watch one episode a night, and we work within the, the brain's limitations. If I go to the cinema to watch a full-length movie, uh, try to pick a day where I don't have to be on the screen at all. So it's not that I don't do it at all, but my life is wrapped up on it, too. I've just, I have limited it to the things that are actually important and a little bit of entertainment. When I say a little bit, my definition of a little bit is way different than most people's. Well, I know listeners will want to hear the podcast of this conversation again. It will be up on our podcast page, the 2020 page, later on this afternoon when you go to vision.org.au. As Brad says, uh, he'll be sending this podcast around, knowing that there's been important points made in a conversation like this. So what do the experts say about these mobile devices that we all use well, you've been listening in to an expert and on the research that he's done even in our Australian communities, finding out just how serious these things are. 
And I want to point you to some of those resources. There's lots of good resources that are available in the Vision Store if you want to follow through. When we've been talking about these sorts of addiction issues, uh, Brad has written a book called Digital Cocaine, A Journey Toward Eye Balance. You'll find great hints, tips, information, facts that will alert you to the challenges that are facing you and your family. There's another uh, book he's written called The Dark Side of Technology. And then there are some other DVD resources that you can access. Remember that name, Brad Huddleston. And when you go online at vision.org.au, you'll find the link there for Vision Store. I would encourage you to avail yourself of those resources. Uh, Brad, also your website... Uh, which is bradhuddleston.com. That's and, right. Uh, that'll be, uh, give people an insight into your latest movements. Uh, how long are you in Australia now from this point? Are you around a little longer or are you about to go home? Well, now we're around for a bit. Um, when we, I'm doing a, a, an elongated series of meetings in Jimboomba tonight at JC Family Church starting tonight. It'll go all day tomorrow and then Sunday, two services at 10 and 2 tomorrow. But, you know, it's, they're long uh, talking about all this sort of stuff with all the research. And then we go to, to Gundawindi, and we're going to be out there until July the 20th, and we go back to the U.S. and resume the madness across my nation, and then Africa is probably in the lineup later this year. Well, special honor to you that when you come to Australia, you're not just focusing on the capital cities, and I know that listeners to our conversation today will know it's pretty special. When you're going to places, as you did last weekend in Longreach in western Queensland, and you're going to Gundawindi, uh, just uh, wonderful towns, uh, wonderful set of listeners uh, to this program who are listening in to Vision Christian Radio in those communities. Mm-hmm. And I know you extend your travels at different times uh, up into North Queensland and uh, other places around Australia too. You were in Adelaide, Adelaide. just recently. Mm-hmm. So uh, it's not just uh, one state. You're across lots of places throughout the nation. No doubt there'll be people who might like to connect with you and say, how do I get Brad Huddleston to my town? How do I get Brad Huddleston to my church, to my community, to the local school that my children go to? Uh, BradHuddleston.com is how you connect with Brad. Brad, thanks so much for taking some time to share your thoughts and your heart with us today on 2020. Neil, it's an honor to be part of the family here at Vision. Before you go, thanks for listening. There's lots more great audio on demand, or you can listen to us live at visionradio.org.au. And remember, Vision is listener-supported. Your donation, large or small, will help us continue connecting faith to life for hundreds of thousands of people across Australia and around the world. Learn more or donate today at visionradio.org.au.